what a special experience this is. I love my brothers and sisters and so great to be connected with so many people from so many places across the country. Most of you I won't get to talk to, many of you I won't get to see, but I'm so thankful for you. I appreciate your faithfulness. We're at war. Not a war with bullets and bombs, but a spiritual war. The Spirit tells us in Ephesians 6, verse 10, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Oh yeah, we just want to get in, but and we've got to obey the gospel. But just obeying the gospel is not good enough. Satan is out to sift you like wheat, to crush you, to devour you. And so in order to say at the end, I have fought a good fight, the Lord expects more. The Lord demands more. He demands that we be strong. And he's not talking about self-reliance. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How do we become strong in the Lord? How do we prepare for battle? Ephesians 6 verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We've got to be able to stand. So, by all means, let's put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Let's put on our gospel shoes. Let's take up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to prepare for battle. But that's not all. Interestingly, we haven't even finished the sentence that started in verse 14. The Apostle Paul donned the Christian armor, but he knew that he needed more to be strong in the Lord in order to withstand Satan's attacks and to be all he needed to be for the cause. You know, communication is critical in any war. Look at verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and praying for me. That's what Paul said. He says, pray for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You get that? The apostle Paul told the Christians he was writing at Ephesus that he needed their prayers. The day after our wedding, Louise and I worshipped in Covina, California. After services, a brother said, Oh, Brett, I'm so sorry. I looked at him puzzled. He said, Well, you know, the song that you led, I still didn't know what he was talking about. He was starting to chuckle. Then he says, You led the prayer. You led the song. I need the prayers of those I love. Louise wasn't crazy about that selection either. Why not something about joy? or heaven or my Lord has been so good to me but more than ever now I know I need the prayers of those I love do you know how much you benefit from prayer the Apostle Paul knew it made a huge impression on me to learn that 
in seven of his 14 New Testament books, letters, he asked, even begged his brothers and sisters to pray for him. The Apostle Paul believed in prayer power. Do you? Oh, you would say, oh yeah, I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that we should be praying without ceasing, that we don't have to be at church, at a meal, or in a prayer closet, but we should be connected to God at all times. I like what one man said. He says, you don't really believe a biblical truth until you're acting on that truth. Prayer is the ultimate power source because we connect with the greatest power in actually beyond the universe. Almighty God. We have access to great power, but we must stay plugged in. Are we? Are you? You're going to have to if you want to be strong. Is your prayer life more like dynamite or a firecracker? We read in 1 John 2 verse 3, Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. It's clear that we don't have a relationship with God without obedience. But doesn't your prayer life indicate the quality of your relationship with God? We're talking tonight, my focus is on not your public prayers. I'm talking about, we're thinking about, I'm focusing on our private prayers. You know, we can do almost everything else in a single 30-second compartment. So perhaps we think, well, why can't we just remain connected to God with two or three daily tweet-sized prayers? Satan wins when we think that way. Since constant heartfelt prayer emphasizes what? Dependence on God. Overconfidence in our own personal ardor and abilities. And isn't neglecting prayer when we go through those stages in life an egotistical statement of self-reliance? I got this. Part of the problem is we're used to being predators. We're not the biggest. We're not the strongest. We're not the fastest on the planet. But God put us in charge and we're running the show. But now the spiritual realm, different matter because we're the prey. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. First Peter 5 verse 8. Oh yeah. He wants you. He wants me. Luke 22, verse 31. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Oh, he's got us in his sights. You know, we've seen, all of us have seen Satan sift, haven't we? We know Christians that we thought were spiritually impenetrable. Despite their humanity, we knew we could count on them. Whenever they would fall, they would get back up. Yet Satan has crushed them. He's made a meal out of them. And Satan wants you. He wants your spouse. He wants your children. He wants your grandchildren. 
But remember in our spiritual battle that there is nothing on earth that strikes fear in Satan's heart like a humble Christian kneeling in prayer. And here's a bonus. In our anxious, we think about this in Philippians 4, hand-wringing culture, Isaiah 26, verse 3, we get this when we spend a lot of time in prayer, don't we? You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. This is what Paul calls the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. We all want to go to heaven, right? And not just because we know there's only two choices and we don't want to go to hell. We want to go to heaven because we want to be with God, right? Really? Well, when we pray, we show God just how genuine our longing is to be with Him. Most of my life, when I heard a sermon on prayer, I'd say, that's a good sermon. I need to do better. My prayer life needs to improve. And I would for a while, but then it would get back to where it was. I know I'm not the only one here that's like that. And so tonight, the big question is, how do you sustain a vigorous prayer life long term? Pretty simple. You probably heard of it. Many of you are doing it. You got to have a daily prayer list. You can be old school, write it on paper. You can take out your phone. We do that. And use what I'm using is notes on my phone and build my prayer list, your prayer list there. Make an appointment at a set time to work through a daily prayer list. That's the only way I've found for me to pray consistently and then build around it. Of course, we should be praying throughout the day. Building around a daily prayer, a prayer list has improved my prayer life dramatically. And you know what that means? An improved prayer life means more answered prayers. More answered prayers means more people blessed. More people saved. More people healed. James 4 verse 2. This is a haunting scripture. Can be. You have not because you ask not. I don't know everything there is to know about what's all behind that. But I can understand what he's saying there. He's talking about neglect. He says there's a price to pay for neglect. The apostles understood about prayer. I don't know if we fully grasp how central prayer is to kingdom work. Preachers. Look at the crisis. The Grecian widows in Acts chapter 6. You remember what the apostles said? Look ye out among you seven men of honest report whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves to preaching the gospel. Well, that's part of it. They said continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. These were apostles. Back to Paul. He could check the box, James 5, verse 16. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. He had powerful prayers, no doubt. His prayers were heard. But besides his own prayers, you mean with all the power and privilege that he had as an apostle, Paul still needed others' prayers? And yet he directly asked, we've got it recorded, seven congregations in his epistles, pray for me. 
Romans 15, 30. Now I beseech you, I beg you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. You know, when a Christian says they don't need others' prayers, I think, whoa, that is a frightening level of confidence, complacency, and cluelessness. People like that are dangerously exposed to the devil. But do the prayers of more people mean really more power? 2 Corinthians 1 verse 11. He also helping together by prayer for us that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Next. Paul, his prayers. A prayer we should pray all the time and for a host of specific places. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 1. Finally, brethren, Paul says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. When was the last time you prayed that the word of the Lord would run swiftly and be glorified where you live the spirit spoon fed this one to us we should be praying this all the time and about all kinds of places are we perhaps you've seen the adopt a highway signs remember those where you got a mile reserved in a, a club sometimes a religious institution would clean up that mile on the highway adopt a highway Consider adopting a preacher. I'm not saying move him into your spare bedroom. I'm saying decide that every day you will pray for that preacher. Why not two? Why not three? Why not four? Every day, mentioning them by name. Do you think that make a difference for them, for their families, for the kingdom of God? I know what some of you are thinking, <laughs> preacher. I'm pretty busy. I don't know if I can do that every day. Well, I've crunched the numbers and you can do that. You can pray a meaningful prayer for a preacher in 15 to 30 seconds. Can you spare a minute or two a day to pray for four different preachers? How many preachers lives could be extended by your prayers? How many preachers could overcome discouragement? temptation or health issues and remain on the front lines how many more souls could be saved and why not this why not specify countries and cities on your prayer list and pray every day for open doors there i know of congregations that have a country every month that they're praying for in the congregation and in their private prayers and then the next month they put another country on the map. I heard a preacher preaching for a denominational megachurch. He preached this uh, sermon and I was I'm really proud of what we're doing evangelistically and love hearing the stories that are going on. But in that sermon, he talked about his megachurch preaching the, their version of what they would call the gospel and they had sent out from that congregation people to 188 of 192 countries. That gave me some perspective. Let's not be complacent. Let's think about more places. Let's get the gospel. Let's get the truth to more places. Can we pray for open doors? We've done that tonight. 
Appreciate that. Preachers love open doors. 1 Corinthians 16, 9, For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. 2 Corinthians 2, 12, I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord. When did you last pray in your private prayers for open doors in your local evangelistic efforts? In the city in which you live, in the adjacent cities, in the county in which you worship. Think about that. You have not because you ask not. Paul encouraged this idea in Colossians 4 verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word. If with all they had in the first century, he's still asking and pleading for prayers. We know we need it today. You have not because you ask not. Of course, the apostle reciprocated. Ephesians 1.16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Would it make a difference for the kingdom if every member of the congregation where you attend was praying every day for every other member of that congregation? We know it would. Maybe start by, if you've got a large congregation, well, that might be kind of tough. Divide it into alternating days or even every third day, pray for a third of the congregation. We can do more in prayer. I believe in working hard. I believe in doing everything we can in our own efforts with all of our power. But let's not just work hard. Let's work smart and bring God in. Simply ask your brother, sisters, what one area they most need prayer. You know what this will also help us do? It'll help our congregations to become closer like we read about in Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 16. Where we don't just call people brothers and sisters, but we are like family. Praying is the spiritual discipline so often only God sees. What you are and what you do when only God knows tells you something about your spiritual progress. Jesus prayed all night. Think of that. I've read of preachers who started their day with about three or four hours of prayer. And frankly, that's been hard to relate to. I don't know if I'll ever have that intense of a prayer life. But I've grown to at least understand it better. It was said of one famous preacher, he never prayed long prayers, but it was never long between his prayers. 30 two-minute prayers is an hour of prayer a day. Nehemiah, by the way, 2 verse 1 through 5 illustrates the benefit of brief prayers. Look at his prayer there. People say prayer changes things and that's true. Why? Because prayer can change God's mind. Ask Hezekiah. Ask Hannah. Think of how things would be different if Hannah had not persevered in prayer. No power in the world compares to prayer. You know, we don't have to be embarrassed or feel bad about the fact that we don't have miraculous power today. Not at all. We don't have the same power that Jesus and the apostles had, but we have 
mighty prayer power. Prayer can do, somebody said, anything God can do. And as God can do anything, prayer is omnipotent. The only limitation on our prayers are those placed by the wisdom of God's will. So tonight, do you want to pray more? Do you want to pray better? Start a daily prayer list. And then start an answered prayer list. And you will rejoice more often about what God has done. Brothers and sisters, you have not because you ask not. Don't neglect to pray. Those who aren't Christians, don't neglect to obey. If you neglect to obey, there's no need to pray. How shall they escape? Hebrews 2 verse 3. Who neglect so great salvation. How great? Ephesians 1 verse 3 says all spiritual blessings, we want them all, don't we? Are in Christ. We've heard the gospel tonight. And when we obey the gospel, what do we get? In that same chapter, he talks about forgiveness, adoption, redemption, acceptance in the beloved, riches of the glory of his inheritance, sealed with the Holy Spirit, life in heavenly places. You can have that tonight. I rejoice in some of the 11th hour conversions that I've witnessed. 90-year-old man who all of his life had been an atheist in a nursing home and a sister was a nurse there and started talking to him and kept talking with him and eventually she brought him to belief and she brought me into it. She had done most of the hard work. 90 years old, he was willing to obey the gospel. He couldn't get out of bed. He had to be helped out of bed. He was put into a gurney and had to be lowered down into this tank there in the nursing home. I still remember vividly seeing all the dead skin filling this tank, we lowered him under the water. He obeyed the gospel. And he was rejoicing. He had two of the best days that he had in that whole time. The next two days. Two weeks later, he died. But he was ready. Another story amazed me. I got an email from a woman who'd been watching the TV program. She'd not been baptized scripturally. And she realized by hearing the gospel that that was the case. This woman was different than anybody I'd ever heard of. She was a quadriplegic. Worse than, worse than that, the only, she had difficulty breathing. She had to have help breathing. And I'm not, I don't remember exactly how it was that she was able to communicate. But she had emailed to me and she says, I think I need to be immersed. And so we went back and forth and I assured her that we could do this. She was concerned that it, she's afraid if we did this that she would die. And I contacted a couple of people uh, in the medical field, uh, a couple of brothers, and we figured out how we could do this, got back with her, but the devil, one of her relatives, got that message, shut our communication down, and as far as I know, she never obeyed the gospel. That was out of her control. But tonight, everyone here has control and can obey the gospel. Christian, you do not have because you do not ask. Non-Christian, you do not have because you do not answer. Let's change that tonight. Jesus stands at the door of your heart and knocks. Won't you answer tonight?
Galatians 3, verse 26, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ.